As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, I warmly welcome you to this service, which is brought to you while our doors are closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. It has been collated from our archive of live choral music, together with readings, prayers and a sermon recorded for this service. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. Is risen. He is risen 
be seated. It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this the seventh Sunday of Easter, which is also the Sunday after Ascension Day. Wherever you are in the world right now, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you're very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. What God has prepared for those who love him, he has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything. Therefore, let us in penitence open our hearts to the Lord, who has prepared good things for those who love him. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternally, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the glory.
O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. We beseech you, leave us not comfortless, but send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to the place where our Saviour Jesus Christ is gone before, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, beginning at the sixth verse. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John, and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of the Lord.
The epistle is taken from the first letter of Peter, chapter 4, beginning at the twelfth verse. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary the devil prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen and establish you. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. In my sermon last Sunday morning, I mentioned that before I was ordained, I trained as a secondary school teacher. A few days after I'd completed my teacher training course in Cambridge and was still living there, my telephone rang one evening. It was my course tutor, who had received a call from a school that was in sudden and urgent need of a supply teacher. So she was phoning to ask if I would do it. Aware that I would benefit from both the money and the experience, I readily and, as it turned out, rather rashly agreed. Only then did I discover quite what I was letting myself in for. I had naively assumed that it was one of the local Cambridge schools that was seeking cover. It wasn't. It was a comprehensive school I had never heard of in a town that I'd never visited that was 50 miles away in the depths of darkest Essex. Gulp? Clearly it was too far to commute, but apparently there was a staff member who could provide me with accommodation, so it seemed there was no way out. When do they want me to start? I asked weakly, suddenly conscious of how much preparation I would need to do. Well, if you travel down tomorrow, you can start first thing the following morning. Here's the phone number of the head of department, my tutor said cheerily as she rang off. It got worse. With a heavy heart, I rang the head of department to find out what lay in store on my first day in the school. He surveyed the timetable. 
Hmm, it's quite a busy day for you, actually. Solid lessons all day, ranging from classical studies for the Year 7s to set texts for the GCSE groups. Oh, yes, and there's an A-level Latin class. By this stage, my levels of panic and dismay were starting to rise. However, there was one small fragment of encouraging news that he had to give me, which was that the woman I was due to stay with happened to teach in the same department, so at least I'd be able to spend an evening with her talking everything through before I began work at the school the following morning. The next day, I packed my things, grabbed a few emergency teaching resources, got the train from Cambridge to Liverpool Street, and picked up a connecting train to my destination, which was due to arrive late afternoon. All was going according to schedule until, unexpectedly, my Essex-bound train suddenly juddered to a halt. We were stationary for about 10 minutes, by which time my fellow passengers were starting to fidget and exchange perplexed glances. Eventually, there was an announcement apologising for the delay, which, we were told, had been caused by a fire on the line further ahead of us. We were stuck on that train in the middle of nowhere for five hours, during which my one small fragment of hope, the prospect of an evening's tutorial from my host, steadily evaporated. I had seldom felt quite so helpless or hopeless or so exposed. I was still very young and very inexperienced, and I had barely grasped the essentials of teaching. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know the layout of the building I would be entering first thing the following morning. I had been given no time to prepare or even to plan, and yet I would have to stand in front of consecutive classes of secondary school kids the following day and pretend to be a teacher. I was completely out of my depth. Indeed, I experienced a quality of despair and desolation in that immobilised railway carriage that was completely new to me. And there was absolutely nothing that I could do about it. It was so completely out of my control. All I could do was sit there helpless. Indeed, the only prayer I was capable of uttering was, Help! But then I noticed something quite strange and unexpected. Once I had acknowledged my utter helplessness, it started to feel oddly liberating. There wasn't any point even in thinking about it, let alone worrying about it. It was almost 11 o'clock by the time I reached my destination, by which time I was too exhausted to care. And do you know what? It was actually fine. I have no idea how I got through that first day in the previously unknown school, nor indeed how I survived the weeks that followed, given how ill-prepared, inexperienced and ill-equipped I was. But somehow, it was all okay. Indeed, a lot of it proved to be really good. It was a nice school, 
I got on really well with the young teacher I stayed with. Some of it was challenging, of course, but there was nothing that I couldn't actually cope with. Indeed, by the end of my time there, the head teacher actively encouraged me to consider applying for a permanent post. But to this day, I'm still not entirely sure how I managed to pull it off. I have reflected before now that today, the Sunday after Ascension Day, is perhaps the weirdest Sunday in the whole of the church's calendar. It is a very strange kind of spiritual no-man's land, the theological equivalent of my incarceration in that railway carriage en route to Essex all those years ago. Let me explain. Think about it from the disciples' point of view. After their experience of the dazzling presence of the risen Lord, he departs from their sight on Ascension Day, leaving them with an unbelievably daunting commission. They are to go out and be witnesses for him to the ends of the earth. Imagine that for a moment. Imagine that the risen Lord were to say to you as an individual, right, your task is to go and make disciples of the whole of London or Manchester or Leeds. You might well double take in astonishment at being given such a ludicrously impossible task. But what Christ says to the disciples far exceeds even that. Go to the ends of the earth, make disciples of all nations. I wonder how they responded to that charge when he gave it to them. However, there is some good news that comes with Christ's commission to them. Namely, that even though he is leaving them, he assures them that he is going to send them another source of help, support and inspiration, the Holy Spirit, who will descend to them at Pentecost, which we commemorate next Sunday. The extraordinary thing is, of course, that the disciples did fulfill their commission. They did pull it off, which is the reason why 2,000 years later, I'm speaking to you here from this obscure little backwater of the Roman Empire that they call London. But the disciples, of course, don't know that yet. They simply have the commission and the uncertainty. For some of us, the whole lockdown period has felt a bit like a weird in-between time. Daunting tasks lie ahead of us, but we still don't know enough about what kind of a world will emerge out of this nor how we shall rise to the challenges that will await us. But perhaps this is true of the whole of life. The point is often made that faith has considerably more in common with trusting than with believing. Because when we find ourselves sitting in the equivalent of my railway carriage and the only thing that we can say is help, that simple letting go can itself prove to be strangely liberating. And more often than not, the daunting task, the prospect of which has been striking such fear in our hearts, 
often ends up being nothing like as terrifying or as impossible as it was in prospect. Somehow we manage to get through it and in the process a part of us is transformed. In his book, The City is My Monastery, Richard Carter, a priest at St. Martin in the Fields just down the road from here, writes this. There is an importance in staying with the discomfort of the unknown, fear and the unresolved, because it is in that place that we reach the borders of what we are and discover what we could become. Thus, this uncomfortable place or place of trepidation where there are no quick fixes or easy answers can become the place of transformation. It is often the very things we fear and our own lack of certainty that help us to break through all pride and discover the truth of living at ground zero. Perhaps it is here that we will learn what it means to live by faith and by love. It is in this hard place that the face of the unknown can reveal to us the face of the beloved. In our reading from 1 Peter this morning, the author encourages his hearers not to be surprised at the fiery ordeal that they are experiencing, reminding them to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The curious thing is that it seems to work. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. 
in the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ. Let us pray to the Father. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing on your church as we find new ways to minister to your people in this time of need. We pray for patience, understanding and support as we continue to share in the proclamation of your love in the timeless continuity of heritage and tradition. In the ascendance of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing on this world, a world brought together by common need. We pray for decision-makers and for all of us charged with the care of one another and of your creation. Open our eyes to the heaven that lies about us, in flora, fauna and in the hearts of all humanity. In the ascendance of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing on all families and communities, for all contained in their homes, those who struggle to be alone, those who struggle to be together, those separated by distances great and small, for friendships old and new, we pray your blessing on all who work to keep us together and for those who are preparing for a return to work or school. We pray for this community of St Brides and our friends and members worldwide, for music makers, journalists and broadcasters and for all who work in communications to keep us together, informed and safe. In the ascendance of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our, Hear our prayer. prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing on all who are sick. For those who we know, and the many others throughout the world suffering from coronavirus, and all other forms of sickness. For all suffering from mental health issues, and those for whom the spirit of life fails. We pray your blessing on all who nurse and care for our sick, elderly and dying, praying thanks for their care, skills and dedication, and for the support of their families. In the ascendance of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing on all who have died, young and old, and on all who mourn their passing. For sons and daughters, sisters and brothers, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, friends and neighbours. Futures curtailed, but rich pasts held dear within our hearts, their souls now safe in your care. In the ascendance of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. Merciful Father, accept Amen. these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
God has made us one in Christ. He has set his seal upon us and, as a pledge of what is to come, has given the Spirit to dwell in our hearts. Alleluia. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks, that after he had ascended far above all heavens and was seated at the right hand of your Majesty, he sent forth upon the universal church your holy and life-giving spirit, that through his glorious power the joy of the everlasting gospel might go forth in all the world. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood. Who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies, 
We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Let us pray. Eternal God, giver of love and power, your Son, Jesus Christ, has sent us into all the world to preach the gospel of his kingdom. Confirm us in this mission and help us to live the good news we proclaim through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
the spirit of truth lead you into all truth, give you grace to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and strengthen you to proclaim the word and works of God, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you now and always. Amen. Amen.